All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, a happy early Merry Christmas uh, to all of you. Nothing gets us in the Christmas spirit like Clark W. Griswold and his completely overwhelming, strange, inappropriate, loud, and bickering family. And I'm guessing that after just having spent the Thanksgiving holiday, maybe uh, with some of your relatives or your extended family, I'm sure that none of your relatives are weird like that. None of your extended family is strange, or maybe you're the strange ones and you just don't know it. And they're talking about you in the same way uh, right now. So after the completely unexpected arrival of both Clark's parents and his wife's parents to their front door to celebrate the entire Christmas season, multiple weeks with them, Clark makes this statement that I think is actually rather profound in the midst of all the humor of the movie. He tells his wife, well, I guess this is what Christmas is all about. And in some strange way, I think that Clark W. Griswold is onto something. Because I don't know about you, but every year it seems like Advent comes knocking at our door, just as that doorbell rang and knocked them out of their complacency and their normal, nice, quaint, quiet lives preparing for Christmas. Advent kind of comes knocking at our door just like those crazy in-laws. I don't know about you, but does anybody else, you're just kind of going along with your nice fall, and then all of a sudden it's Christmas, and then boom, it starts snowing outside, and it's Advent already. Is anybody shocked that it's the first Sunday of Advent today, or is it just me? Okay, three of you. I know who the real Lutherans are in here now. Okay, it just kind of comes out of nowhere, and it seems like it just, boom, there it is at our front door. And maybe it seems like a surprise uh, every year that we're just a few weeks away from Christmas, because I don't know about you, but I have the tendency to put my blinders on and just kind of put my nose to the grinder and just day after day and just the schedule gets full with appointments and busyness and events and duties and obligations. And you're just going through life and all of a sudden you look up and realize, oh man, I don't know if I'm ready for Christmas. And I'm not talking about being ready for Christmas in terms of do I have my shopping list done and do I have all the things baked and all the lists completed and the kids done with all their activities. I'm talking about is your soul ready for Christmas? Is your heart ready for Christmas? And if you're like me and Advent was kind of a shock, a divine interruption into your life, in your busy life this year, the good news is that Christmas doesn't have to be. You can be ready for Christmas. One of the gifts that our church tradition gives us as Protestants, as a, as a tradition of uh, being Lutherans. We don't, we don't worship tradition here at Hope. In fact, that's one of our values. If you're new, kind of wondering what we're all about, one of our values as a church is that we don't worship tradition, we worship God, right? It's not the traditions that make, uh, make us or break us, it's that we worship God, but traditions can be helpful. And one of those traditions that not all denominations, that not all churches do, is celebrating the season of Advent, these four weeks that lead up to Christmas. And so what it does is that Advent gives us the opportunity not just to survive, not just to get our shopping done, but to truly prepare our hearts for Christmas. And so I'm guessing that all of you as good Lutherans just woke up this morning and you shot out of bed and you couldn't get wait to get to church because you're like, it's Advent and I got to get there. Okay, maybe not. So we got some work to do. So Advent, you may not know this, you're going to learn something new today, comes from, it actually comes from a Latin word, which is, is Adventus. Everybody say Adventus. Oh, say it like you mean it. Say Adventus. Man, you can go home today and tell all your friends, I went to church and I learned Latin. It was amazing, right? Learned something new today. Adventus literally means coming or arrival. Because years before Jesus showed up on the scene, waiting for the coming of Christ was a lot longer than four weeks. It was literally centuries 
of longing and waiting and patience and prayer by God's people. Do you know that there are over 400 passages of Scripture in the Old Testament, thousands, hundreds of years before Jesus ever came, that speak to the exact details of how the Christmas story happened? These prophecies that came to be true. And so remembering what it's like to wait, which is not easy for us, we don't like to wait, but remembering what it's like to wait in hopeful anticipation is actually a way that we identify with the story of God's people throughout Scripture. We are a continuation of that story of the Bible that you hold in your hands this morning. And so to show up a couple times a year on Christmas and Easter to be priesters or woomers and tumors, as we call them, um, we want to avoid that because essentially what we're doing is popping into the story and popping out. And it's like, oh man, there's so much more to Easter. There's so much more to Christmas because you got to know the story. If you were somebody and your ancestors had waited thousands of years for the Messiah to come, when you hear that a baby has been born in Bethlehem and that he's the Messiah, that's going to mean so much more because you've waited and you've hoped and you've longed for it. The anticipation makes you appreciate it more. And so how do we celebrate Advent? There's a lot of different ways that you can do that. I want to encourage you uh, over these next four weeks, maybe it's not a tradition for you, but to do a, do a family devotional with your family uh, or as a couple, get together with some friends, maybe in your small group or a Bible study. Uh, those of us pastors on staff at Hope put together an Advent devotional that's all online. You can go to our website and do that. I would encourage you to do that. Do that as a family every night after dinner. Do an Advent devotional. Light the Advent wreath. Some of you are wondering what's going on with our altar uh, up here. This is an Advent wreath. If you didn't uh, grow up in the Lutheran tradition, here, I'll get this out of the way. If you didn't grow up in the Lutheran tradition, you may not know that the, the Advent wreath, particularly the, the wreath, the evergreen around it is distinctly a Lutheran, a gift of the Lutheran church and our tradition to the larger church. And so today we've lit the first of the four Advent candles. This one happens to be the Hope candle, ironically, there in front. And so each week we'll light a different one. And so maybe you and your family do this, or you can, you can buy these. You can make them out of whatever candles you have. But just that sense of we're waiting and we're longing, and then on Christmas we'll light the middle candle, the white candle. But if you see, it's wrapped in evergreen. Evergreens last forever, and it's also in a circular motion, just like your wedding ring is meant to say, this is forever, right? Jesus says, when I came to this earth to give you my love, that love is forever. So the Advent wreath has a lot of deeper meanings to it, and it's a really neat way to talk about Advent and really the, the, the true meaning of Christmas to your kids or your family as well. So whatever that Advent new tradition is going to be, maybe it's making weekly worship a priority to say these four weeks of December, we're going to show up every single weekend because this is important. We're not just going to show up and it's not about gifts and presents. It's about receiving. It's about our presence being there and being together with God's people. It's so important that we don't get distracted and so busy this time of year that we miss the main thing, that we don't miss the important thing that's right in front of us. And Jesus knew that. And so the Holy Spirit sent a messenger ahead of Jesus with that same message. Don't miss the most important thing that is right in front of you. And just like uh, Clark's relatives that showed up rather unexpectedly. Well, this gentleman showed up rather unexpectedly and was maybe, maybe borderline just as weird 
as the Griswold family, and his name was John the Baptist. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 1 is where we're going to start today. Mark chapter 1 in our gospel reading, and if you need a Bible, grab one from the back. So there was another unexpected visitor, and his name was John the Baptist. And the best way that I can explain this, if you're new to the story, if you're new to the Bible, those of you that have been to a concert, right, a big concert, you know that there's always an opening act, Okay, And the job of the opening act is to get the crowd ready, to get people pumped up and ready to go so what the main attraction shows up on stage that you're ready for that. Okay, That's the best way I can describe John the Baptist. He's the opening act for Jesus, right? And if the opening act hangs out on stage and gets in the way of the main attraction, you're like, get out of the way. We're not here to see you. We're here to see him. And that was the role of John the Baptist, to point people to the Messiah, to point people to Jesus. And so we pick it up in Mark chapter 1. Verse 2, where Mark is quoting one of those prophecies from old about the Messiah. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, meaning John the Baptist, who will prepare your way. And then verse 3, let's read it together up on the screen. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight the paths for him. So long before Jesus came, right, the prophecy is that there's going to be this messenger, John the Baptist, this guy looks like a pretty fun guy, right? Uh, looks like he just walked out of the woods. And there, he literally did just walk out of the woods, right? So there he is, and his job is to get people ready for Jesus. And Mark is saying that time has now come. And John's message was very, very clear. Repent, which literally means to turn around and go another direction. Some of you would say repent, like, oh, it's just saying I'm sorry. No, repenting is if your life is headed a certain direction, and maybe some of you need to hear this this morning. If your life is headed a certain direction, repent means I'm going to turn around and go a different way. I'm going to go back to God. And you'll find that when you turn around that God is right there. Some of you, your life is headed a certain direction and you need to hear that call. Some of you are like, why are we talking about John the Baptist at Christmas? Because I don't think there could be a more relevant Advent message. Look up. Be alert. For the Messiah is coming. Prepare the way for him. Hear the voice in the wilderness calling out to you. Don't be so distracted and busy that you miss it. Make room this Advent for Jesus. Isn't it interesting that every year, as we sang already this morning, as we're introducing some of these Christmas songs now, we sing Joy to the World. And what's the line in Joy to the World, right? Let every heart prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room. And we sing that every year, what if we actually did that? What would it look like to declutter your life and declutter your heart so that when you get to Christmas and you're singing joy to the world, let every heart prepare him room, you can respond and say, I did. I actually did this year. I didn't just blow through the month of December and get to Christmas. I prepared my heart. And so what if we use these four weeks of Advent to prepare our hearts to actually experience Jesus this Christmas. How do we do that? How do we actually prepare him room and get our hearts ready for Christmas? Well, that's what I, the question I want to answer this morning. And to answer that, I want to go to the next gospel, Luke chapter 12. So if you're in the gospel of Mark, go to the next one. Matthew, Mark, Luke, they're right in order. Luke chapter 12. And that's where we're going to be for the rest of our time today. Luke chapter 12. And so Jesus comes to us and his followers, and he says this in verses 29 and 30 to start. Jesus says, and don't be concerned about what to eat or what to drink, or the Christmas version of this is don't be concerned about what to eat 
and drink or getting everything done and pleasing everybody this Christmas season. Don't worry about such things. Verse 30, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your father already knows your needs. And then let's read verse 31 together. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Don't be so distracted, Jesus says, that you miss the main thing. Maybe Advent is that your, your priorities are a little out of whack these days. Maybe Jesus wants you to use these next four weeks to realign things back to his heart. And one of the things I love to do when I'm looking at our readings each week is to look at the way that different Bible translations talk about them just to get a different flavor. And I love the way that the message, which was written by Eugene Peterson, not necessarily a word-for-word academic translation, but more written so that ordinary Christians like you and I could understand it. And I love the way he talks about these few verses. This is his translation. Before I read this, though, I want you to just picture for a second, Jesus comes walking in here. Not baby Jesus, but like a man, Jesus, fully grown Jesus comes walking in here this morning. And he walks in and he looks you in the eyes with those eyes, with the kindest look, most compassionate look that you'll ever receive. And in the midst of your stress and anxiety and busyness this Christmas season, Imagine Jesus himself looking you in the eyes and saying this directly to you this morning. What I'm trying to do here is get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Jesus says, step one in getting your heart ready for Christmas, stop the fuss. Turn to your neighbor with all Christian love and look at him and say, neighbor, stop the fuss. Tell him that right now. Stop the fuss. Stop the fuss, right? What is fussing all about? Well, I consulted Mr. Webster and his dictionary. Fussing, an excessive display of anxious attention or activity, needless or useless Bustle. Some of you are like, well, if that doesn't describe December, I don't know what is, right? That doesn't describe my house or my marriage right now or whatever it is. I don't know what does, right? Needless or useless bustle. That might be an accurate description of many of our lives. That might be an accurate description for those of you that are the Black Friday shopper type and you went ventured out uh, last weekend and got up at 4.30 in the morning to get your $2.99 waffle maker that you can't live without, Maybe this described your experience. Some of you are like, no, 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 John. It's not, it's not the fuss of shopping. It's not that for me. I'm not all wrapped up into that. Well, the thing is, is that fuss can look a lot of different ways. And sometimes the fuss is not external. It's the condition of your heart. It's the fuss inside. It, often it shows up in our desire to make it to every party to make it to every event, to make sure that my marriage looks good in front of my coworkers, to please my in-laws or my parents with every decision that I make, to shuttle the kids around to every single thing so they don't miss a thing, and yet we end up missing it ourselves. Here's the thing. I've heard so many people say already, it wasn't even December yet. 
It was the middle of November and people are already taking on, they're reaching into the future and grabbing the stress of December and placing it on their shoulders. I can't tell you how many people that I have heard say, oh, well, you know, December is just crazy. You know, we just know December is going to be this crazy time of year. It's going to be so stressful. It's going to be so, we can't do anything. Don't even schedule anything. It's, it's just so busy. It's like, what's on your calendar? Oh, nothing. But it's just going to be crazy. You know, December is just nuts, right? It's as, it's as if we have no choice to just enter into the madness and the fuss that is December. I picture this treadmill, and it's a treadmill called Christmas. It's a treadmill called December, right? And we have no choice like just to get shoved onto it. It's like, I got to keep up. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. I got to keep up. And maybe that's kind of what you're feeling these days. I saw this feature the other week. It's this, this show, this program that goes around uh, to different places, and they take this giant treadmill. They take this giant treadmill, and they go to different malls and expositions and things like that, and ordinary people hop on this treadmill that is set to the pace of a world and Olympic class marathon runner and the pace that he set for two straight hours to win the marathon. And so I want to show you this short clip and maybe like me, you'll identify with a lot of the people that are face planting it on this because they can't keep up. So as you watch this, think about the treadmill called Christmas. Take a look. So I cut it off there because that goes for 12 more minutes of people face planting. Anybody with me that that would be, that would be you? Anybody can re recognize with that, right? Just taking a nosedive. Some of you are like, I could keep up with that. Not for two hours you couldn't. Absolutely not. It's not a sustainable pace. And there's a reason for that. That's not who you are, right? You weren't created for that. You weren't created for that pace. That's somebody else's pace. That's not who you are. Are. It's not sustainable. And that's God's message to you this Christmas. Don't run somebody else's race. That's not you. There is a treadmill called Christmas. And even though the world around you seems to be going nuts and speeding up and freaking out, you are a follower of Jesus. And that means you have a choice this Christmas season whether you're going to step on the treadmill and biff it or you're going to say, you know what? I follow Jesus. And I have a different rhythm to my life. Because I'm not striving this Christmas season. I got nothing to lose. I've got nothing to prove. Just because there's a treadmill doesn't mean you have to step on it. The story is told of there's an author and pastor that some of you have heard of named John Ortberg. And when he was early in his career, he was kind of climbing the ladder and getting more important some of the companies that he was in, and he was getting really, really busy, and he was having a hard time, something I know that none of you struggle with, but juggling the demands of family and work and all these kids and different things like that uh, as a young family, and he was trying to figure out how to balance all this, and he was so stressed out and all the demands, and he was trying to reconnect to Jesus and have an interior life and get that intimacy back with Jesus. And so he went to one of his mentors and his colleagues and said, how do I do this? And he's just stressing out and freaking out and saying, I'm so busy. I got all these things going on. He's just pouring out his heart to his mentor. And I'm so stressed. I'm so busy. I got all these things on my to-do list. I got all these things I got to do. What do I do? And he was thinking, you know, what self-help technique can I do? Can I do some breathing exercises? Should I do yoga? Should I do meditation? Should I do a book study? You know, the, the latest and greatest book of how to improve your calendar or your social life or what Bible study should I do? And after a long pause, this old wise sage 
mentor of his just looked at him and took a deep breath. And he said, John, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And at first, he was very, very angry because he's like, what? That's it? Like, you're supposed to be so wise and have all this wisdom and give me some really self-help nugget that's going to make it all better. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Why would he say that? Because as opposed to the treadmill, it's often in the ordinary, mundane, slower, in-between moments of life that God speaks the most. When you're off the treadmill. And you're saying, okay, John, that's great and everything, but you don't understand how busy I am. It's the end of the year. It's the end of the quarter. We got to make budget. You know, we got to make quota at work. I got a lot of projects that you don't understand how busy I am. I'm not talking about busyness. Dallas Willard, another one of my favorite Christian authors, says it this way. He says, when we look at the life of Jesus, we discover he always had lots to do. You ever thought about that? Jesus was busy. So he can identify with you. Jesus accomplished more in three years than you will in your life. He changed the world, right? Jesus was always busy, but never hurried. And the difference is a condition of the soul. There's a difference between having a full life and a busy, stressed out fuss in your life. Your December might be full, but it doesn't have to be a fuss. And Willard says the difference between those is a condition of the soul. And why is that? Because when your soul is at rest in God, it is steeped in, as the next verse here in Luke chapter 12 says, it is steeped in God reality. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. What is God's reality? is that in the kingdom of God, you don't have to jump on the treadmill to have value and significance. You don't have to please everybody to have value and significance. So how do we stop the fuss this Christmas? Number one, we steep ourselves in God reality. Everybody say reality. In God reality. And the reality of that is that our soul, in the middle of all the craziness, can be at rest in here. Because a soul at rest in God has nothing to prove to the in-laws or my coworkers. A soul at rest in God looks like parents showing their kids what date night or family night looks like with no phones in sight. Because whatever is going to pop up on that phone, whatever notification pales in importance compared to the people that are right in front of me. And don't cheat and have your phone turned upside down on the table. It doesn't count. A soul at rest is, knows that God's will is not my burnout or my exhaustion. You don't get bonus points in the kingdom of God for burning yourself thin and running yourself ragged. It's not a badge of honor to brag about how busy you are. If you're going to brag about something, brag about how your soul is at rest because you have the peace that passes all understanding in your heart. 
A soul at rest in God isn't desperately looking for approval or significance through the latest outfit that I have that I'm posting of myself online. A soul at rest isn't looking for approval or significance through the next date that I'm going to find or how many likes I get on Instagram because what could be more significant than being a son or daughter of the King of Kings? And I don't need that from anybody else. A soul at rest isn't constantly comparing themselves to other families on social media because (laughs) the enemy of joy is comparison. A soul at rest in God knows that in the next month, there's nothing that I can buy online or in the store that is going to bring me lasting happiness. I was talking to some friends this week about this idea and what that looks like. And we were talking about as young parents, as we've grown up, we used to give each other gifts and get those from our families. And then I just said, does anybody else just kind of lose the desire to get more stuff as you get older? Can anybody identify with that? Yeah, I think a lot of hands, right? We kind of looked at each other and said, we don't really need to get anything for each other this year, do we? Everybody's like, no, you know what? The older I get, the more I just want to give. Getting more stuff, the older I get, the more relaxed my hands get, and I don't need to consume more stuff. And that includes religion, by the way. That includes church. The desire to consume and to come and to sit in my seat and listen to a sermon and hear some music and then walk out of those doors like like church is an event that you consume, it just doesn't satisfy. The longer you live, it's like, I gotta be a part of something. Church isn't an event that you consume. It's a family that you belong to. And so many of you get that. And the idea of this is that the older we get, we realize that stuff filling our hands isn't going to fill us up. Instead, we realize that our king is the most loving, compassionate, generous king in the universe. How can we not be the most generous people in the world as Christians, as followers of Jesus, right? It is really, really hard to sing Christmas songs and to decorate Christmas trees and to put the baby in the manger and worship at Christmas and lead a stingy life. When we worship the most generous being in the universe, how can we not be the most generous people in the world? And that leads to the next part of that verse 32 of Luke chapter 12. It says this, steep yourselves in God reality. The next piece is God initiative. Everybody say initiative. Initiative. God initiative. So instead of our lives and being fussing about getting, our hearts become obsessed with giving and we start to ask a different set of questions. Not what am I getting out of life? Not what am I consuming? But God, how do you want to use everything I have? My time, my talent, my treasure to glorify you, to be a part of your Mission. And if those terms sound familiar, they should if you've been around uh, the last month or so because we've been talking about that. That's the very heartbeat of the campaign that we just wrapped up a couple weeks ago called Building to a Hope Beyond. We've been doing this campaign in order to purchase uh, and renovate, hopefully, this building that's directly to our north. And we've been talking about the many ways that we can be a part of that. And so it seems like a long time ago, but it's just two weeks ago, we had our commitment weekend. And so many of you, hundreds of you, uh, either uh, here in person or online, brought your gifts, your upfront gifts, and uh, your pledges in order to complete and support this vision. The fact that this amazing problem that we have is that we're out of space. And those of you that are sitting in the lobby today can attest to that. Uh, that in so many ways, not just 
and weekend worship, but also uh, all throughout the year that we're out of space. And so we've had those gifts have been coming in the last couple weeks. And so we've been wanting to wait in order to tell you the final number. And so everybody say hi, Tiffany. This is my wife, Tiffany. Here she is. Vanna White, uh, for the sake of this morning. Here she is. Um, there might not be a, a person that gave more and gave more time to this campaign than Tiffany. So can you give her a huge round of applause and thank you for everything that she did. Um, and so uh, we are essentially landlocked as a church without, as this door says, a hope beyond. Some of you that haven't been around are wondering, like, why, John, why do we have a giant door up on stage? Well, this is one of the uh, illustrations, one of the examples that we've used, that it's not about the money. It's not about a, a campaign and a fundraiser. It's about opening doors to the kingdom. And that as we acquire this new building, hopefully, that we needed to get to this half a million mark. We needed to get to 500000 at least to buy the building. That's kind of what we were shooting for. And so we kind of use this analogy as a door to say we're building this discipleship and outreach center in order to do that. That was kind of the number that we needed to get to. And so this whole thing was really a step of faith. We have no idea what we're doing. Uh, I'm from Story City. I'm not a professional fundraiser, okay? This is a huge step of faith. And we didn't know what the results uh, would be. Uh, and so we wanted to wait uh, to this weekend to give you the most uh, up-to-date uh, totals. I got a few more texts this morning from uh, our leadership team saying a few more pledges have come in uh, as well. So it's just like the price is right. The number just keeps going uh, as, as we speak as well. And so we want you to know this morning that your gifts and pledges have opened up a lot of doors for the kingdom. So you think we should do this? You guys ready for this? Okay, this kind of reminds me, um, kind of reminds me of like one of those home shows, you know, like move that bus, right? It's gonna be flip that door. So what's important is not the number that's behind the door. What's important is the, do the, the, the numbers that that door is gonna open to the kingdom and the lives that are going to be changed. So I, I think we need like a drum roll or something. You can get a drum roll on your lap or something like that. Here we go. All right, this is it. You ready for this? Let's get the doorknob out. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Wow, okay. Wow. Now, wait a minute. Tiffany, do you think something's wrong with that? I feel like we're missing a couple of things. Uh, Jed Smith from backstage, everybody. Jed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We were. I'm kind of in the middle of like revealing the big number here yes. for that, Jed. That's true. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but while you're talking about numbers, yes. I still happen to find some extra numbers. Oh, some extra numbers. Yes. Oh, okay. They might be important. Okay. I don't know. Well, one's a zero. I don't know if that's going to help us or not, but where do you think they should go on there? There well, are Velcro on There's there. Velcro on them conveniently. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. Uh, well, we've got a zero. I guess that could be like a decimal. What do you guys think? Should I go here? Maybe here? This really is like the price is right. This is fun, right? So here? What do you think? Here? Right there? Okay. Awesome. Does that look better? Let's stand on up and give God a rousing round of applause. Absolutely.
Your total gifts and pledges for building to a hope beyond $1,083,698. Praise God. Absolutely. You can have a seat. Wow. That is awesome. Wow. All my game show contestants just left. Uh, they left. And uh, more, like I said, uh, coming in as well. And so that means that God is on the move. Amen. And all the glory uh, goes to him, uh, as well as it says in, Psalm, uh, in the Psalms, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. It's not about the number, it's about the door that that number is going to open for the kingdom and lives that are going to be changed. And we are so grateful for that. And uh, because of that, uh, we are no longer landlocked. And you're going to see some immediate results uh, of that number that's going to allow us to do uh, so much because of your generosity right after our second service uh, today. Go give a kiss to that wall because you're never going to see it again because it's going to come down and we're going to add 40 seats to our worship center just in time for Christmas. So praise God. That's pretty exciting. If you like our stage, sorry, you can say goodbye to that as well, but this is a temporary stage and has been temporary for the last five years. And so when you come to worship next weekend, we will have a brand new permanent stage. So that's also very exciting uh, as well. Praise God for that. <clears throat> oh yeah, not to mention, we're going to buy and remodel that building next year. That's pretty exciting too, right? Absolutely. So... Sometime in 2019, we will be uh, opening our doors to our brand new discipleship and outreach center uh, over there. And just so you know, for those of you, there's one more service, and some of you have been taking pictures. Don't go tweeting this out yet. Let, let the 11 o'clock service have their chance and let it be a surprise for them as well. But I want to thank uh, our campaign directors, uh, Mike and Mimi Reed, as well as Mark and Lori Nelson, as well as Tiffany and the rest of our staff. We have incredible staff here at the church that did a lot. Praise God for them, absolutely, to make that happen. But the majority of the work was done by you, and that's the most incredible thing, over a 50-member volunteer campaign team. So let's praise God for our campaign team as well that had a big hand in that. And so I, I'm still a little giddy. Um, I... When our senior leaders called me and told me that number, I couldn't wait for this weekend. <laughs> I couldn't wait to look you in the eyes and simply say thank you. Because it's not about me. It's not about any of us. This is God's church. But you are an incredibly generous church. And way more important than that number is I'm th so thankful for those of you that gave generously and sacrificially, that took a step of faith. Because it's not about the amount of the gift, it's about the heart behind it. And you gave joyfully and generously. You get Luke chapter 12. You're on board with God's mission. It's God initiative. And whether it was pennies or dollars or hundreds or thousands, you gave with joy, and what that number doesn't show, we need a bigger door, <laughs> is the sense. Because there is a lot of coins. There's a lot of coins given. And that's awesome. That's awesome. Because that's who you are as a church. 
It's not about the number. It's not about the amount. It's about your hearts because you get it. And I have to say, just as excited as I am about that number as I'm excited about the number of pledges, upfront gifts over $100,000 as well as pledges over the next three years as well, close to 80% of this church pledged something to this campaign. That is unbelievable and unheard of. So praise God for that. That is so amazing. With hundreds more of you, and I mean hundreds, we have stacks and stacks of these commitment cards that you brought forward. And so what our finance team does is as they tabulate the results and everything like that, then they'll white out the amount so that myself and our team has never known and will never know what anybody gives. I just know the number. And then they leave because on here we had you put your time and your talent as well for your uh, gifts. And if you filled one of these out to get involved with the ministry, our staff's going to be in touch with you soon. But I was reading through some of these, and what I loved is the connection that people are making to say, this is the gifts and talents, or this is my occupation. This is experiences that I have, and this is how I want to use it for God's kingdom. You're making that connection. Some, uh, one lady said, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and maybe I could start a small group for moms. Another person said, I love to cook. I love to bake, so maybe I can make food and cook for those that are in need. It's also clear to me that this church is chock full of carpenters and painters and plumbers and designers and dozens more of you that said, give me a sludge hammer when we're ready to demo because I am ready to go. And so just want you to know we will keep you in, in, in touch and you will be needed. There's a few of my favorites. Can I read a few of my favorites to you this morning? Can I read a few of those? Okay. Even if you said no, I'm going to do it anyway. Um, so this is fun. This one's from a wife uh, on the commitment card. She said, my husband is a handyman and I'm volunteering him so he gets out of my house. So that's what somebody said. So that was a fun one. Uh, another person here says, uh, several cards. Oh, this one says, I can't contribute financially, but I have got a wealth of wisdom of what not to do that I can share. So somebody shared that one uh, as well. This might be one of my favorites. I can't give financially, but God is calling me to give my presence. I get to be here every week, and so I won't miss it no matter what. That's cool. Um, I, the next time you're sitting at home going, yeah, I don't really know if I'm going to go this morning or not. Think about that card. My presence is my gift, and I'm not going to miss it no matter what. Several other cards, I love this, simply said, we're all in. Whatever you need, we're all in. That's how you stop the fuss. You realize that instead of believing that consuming is going to fill you up, it's giving, it's serving, especially when it's changing lives for eternity. And so here's what I know. Some of you are asking what's next. Over the next few months, we're going to be working on uh, a budget based on current gifts and pledges. And obviously, if more comes in, uh, we have more numbers We'll add to the door if we need to uh, as well. But the more that comes in, obviously, we can accomplish some of those uh, higher dream goals that were laid out. But I can't say for sure right now what the scope of the project looks like until we get some more of our uh, bids back as well. But then we'll be able to share more about what all be included in that, that project scope. And most likely, we'll acquire the building sometime uh, in the spring of 2019. And then shortly after, 
will get in there and we will let you know. Some of you have just been hounding me. We will let you know uh, when we need your help and we will need your help. And it'll be amazing because the building you're sitting in right now, 75% of the work of these renovations were done by you as volunteers, which saved us hundreds and thousands of dollars. So praise God. Thank you for all the work that you did on that. Yep. And for the work to come as well. So stay tuned. And I want you to know that you are an incredible church because you know that it's not about budgets and buildings. It's about people experiencing the love of Christ. And whether it's about raising a million dollars in four weeks or you guys, you're incredible. We didn't even know if we were going to do Joy to the City because we're like, we just did a giving campaign for pity's sakes. And now all of a sudden in one weekend, every single tag on that tree is gone. So you are an incredible church. Thank you for that. That's how we don't miss Advent, right? So how do we not miss Advent? We steep ourselves in God reality, in God initiative, and last but not least, God provision. Everybody say provision. Provision. See, in many ways, Advent is a season of waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting for the Messiah. But if we're honest, every single one of us is probably waiting for something. There's something in our lives that we're waiting for, for God's provision this Christmas season, for healing, for a job, for a paycheck to come through, to overcome that addiction, for breakthrough in a marriage or a relationship, some of you to find your way back to God. And Luke chapter 12 reminds us that we don't have just a good king, we have a good father who loves to give us what we need. And I love how this passage concludes. Luke chapter 12, verse 32, it says this. Jesus says, you're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. And I'm not sure what comes to your mind when I say that God is a good Father. And I used to think that I understood that until I became one myself, and then it completely changed the way I see verses like this. And I can't look at my own kids sitting by the Christmas tree this year and not think, you know, they may not get everything that they want for Christmas. Like a horse. They're not getting a horse for Christmas. (laughs) They may not get everything that they want, but as their father that loves them, there isn't anything that I wouldn't do to make sure that they have what they need. And that is the heart of your father for you, this morning. (laughs) That's why we need Advent, because it teaches us to wait. It teaches us to wait without giving up hope. And it's no coincidence that our candle on the Advent wreath this morning is the candle of hope, because it reminds us that 2,000 years ago, God came through, not just what we want, but what we truly need, and that's a Savior who came to give us life through him. How do you not miss the point of Christmas? You stop the fuss and you get off the treadmill. And then you steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, and God provision. And you remind yourself that we have a God that no matter what you're waiting for, always, always, always comes through with his love when we need it the most. Amen? Let's stand and prepare our hearts for communion this morning.